Hi, this is Jam D. Mateus, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 63 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there, Mr. Bob Lucius. Hey, Bob. Yate Shikedu Shidene. Wow. You've gone above and beyond this time, Rick, with your... I, 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 I think I got it. I think I yeah. got it. What is it? We're doing a Japanese story. Mm. <laughs> Gosh. I, did, did, I, did, did my Japanese dialect no, come out No, Rick. Me... I'm, I'm pulling your leg, Rick. That uh, sounded like that might be a language of one of the indigenous nations. It is, Bob. It is. Uh, it's Navajo. Uh, because uh, in today's episode, we are covering issue... 292 from Captain America Volume 1. And in it is a character that's introduced by the name of Black Crow. Yes. Yes. And he is Navajo. So what I just said to you um, is the standard greeting, uh, which is um, Yate. Uh, and I'm probably not saying it correctly, but um, it is basically, it, it means everything is good. Everything here on mother's earth is good. I like that. And, um, and then the, uh, Shike, Shike do Shidane, uh, means, uh, basically to my, my fellow, uh, my fellow, my family, my friend, my people, uh, so you're my people, Bob. Nice. nice. I know I, I normally like to keep it formal between us, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't find it. <laughs> I couldn't find a formal greeting. <laughs> couldn't find the formal uh, formal greeting. I like it. I love it. This is awesome. This is yes. a great story, uh, and and I and I think it's you know there's not a lot of Native American characters in mm-hmm. comics. Uh, there's a handful, um, but this is name one that them, Bob. Uh, name them. Well, gosh, I can't. I can't name them all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there's not that many. There's not that many, and, and this one kind of stands out, and which is why I think we we decided we were going to do it. Uh, also, no, that it, wasn't why we decided to do it. We decided to <laughs> do it because the title of this of this particular issue is an American Christmas. Yeah, and, well, that's uh, too, yeah. the the whole issue takes place during Christmas time. Yes. and here it is, Bob. Um, depending on when people are listening to this, but if it, if you're listening to it when it comes out. Uh, this is dropping on December 22nd. So we're, we're smack in the middle of the Christmas season. I mean, that's really the reason we picked it, right? Well, that's true. That's true. But also because it was a pretty cool story. Uh, yes. I, I remember when we were trying to figure out uh, sort of a confluence. That's right. It's what's that? A three syllable word. I used it. Uh, a confluence of, of different ideas here in the Christmas theme and sort of an unusual character intersecting mm-hmm. with Cap and, and when we got to thinking about it, this was this one stood out as kind of a special story, uh, simply because of the way Cap behaves in it. So, but well, I think we'll explore that further. Yes, well, I agree. Um, we'll we'll get into this issue. We'll get into the character of uh, Jesse Black Crow. Um, 
but before we do that, uh, we got, we got some stuff going on. I mean, it is, like I said, it is the, the holidays. It is Christmas season. Um, uh, to our friends who, uh, not too long ago, celebrated Hanukkah. You know, there's there's a lot of things right now going on um, to be grateful and thankful, and a lot of gift giving, Bob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, our next episode uh, is you know your brilliant brainchild of talking about our favorite or maybe our worst captain america gifts that we have either received or given and it's a it's going to be a call-in episode uh we we did a call-in episode um you know a few months ago it was a big success um we had a lot of fun doing that um if you want to check it out uh it's our listener q a show that was uh episode 44 um Again, lots of fun, a lot of call-ins. And we decided to revisit that theme uh, to talk about, again, Captain America favorite or not-so-favorite gifts. Um, in addition, Bob, guess what else is going to be uh, in that episode? What? What, Rick? Well, that will be our one-year anniversary. <sighs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's incredible if you think about it. I know. I mean, it's it's episode 64, so... You know, we obviously put out a little bit more than one a week uh, during the last year. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll take a trip down memory lane mm-hmm. of the uh, the last year, uh, kind of going through some highlights of our uh, as as our time here on the podcast together. Yeah, yeah, and there are there are some highlights. There's some lowlights too. But uh, oh, you want to bring those up, do you? <laughs> we probably should just just for. Yeah. You know, shits yeah. and giggles, for balance, right? We, for balance. Yeah. 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 We're all about fair balance here. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, so also, you know what, Bob, I think it'll be fun. I got you a little something for, Ooh. for Christmas. Oh my and goodness. It should arrive next week, just in time for this episode. All right. What do you say? You open it up on air, so I like uh, it. Everybody can hear your surprise slash disappointment. All right, <laughs> I just hope I don't squeal like a, a little girl again. Yeah, uh, we don't want to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't want to wake up the boy. Yeah, uh, we don't want to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> all right, so it, so there you go. Uh, you you get that in the mail, and you can open it up on air. All right. Um, we also want to give you, our listeners, uh, a gift, uh, and that is the Captain America What Would Cap Do Challenge Coin. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is not for sale. Gosh knows I've been solicited yeah. many times of people trying to, to buy this. Uh, we're not selling them. Uh, they are strictly uh, to give away. Um, there is one easy way for you to do this. And that is um, go to Apple podcasts, leave a five-star review. And one, uh, if once we get to 10 more uh, five-star reviews uh, with, you know, people leaving a little note uh, about the, about the show, uh, we'll randomly pick three of those 10 and you will be a lucky winner of Mm -hmm. of the coin. Um, Now, if you don't like those odds, Three and ten, uh, which are pretty good odds. 
uh, and you just definitely want the coin, there's another easy way to do it, Bob, and that is mm-hmm. become a patron. Um, and you are supporting not only the show, but you're supporting the Facebook group as well, because uh, we do have our expenses. And this is just a way for us to, um, uh, you know, pay for for various expenses that we have uh, to produce the show. Um, so if you are at the Shield Slinger level, Bob, that's only four ninety nine a month. It's, it's great. I mean, it's like a cup of coffee. I know, right? Right. Um, you do that for three months. Boom. We mail you a what would cap do challenge coin. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you've been seeing in the group, but uh, people are getting their coins. They're posting pictures. Myelin, uh, big grins on their faces. I know. It's yeah. cool. It's cool seeing these coins in their new homes. Um, uh, so that's a lot of fun. And, you know, that's Bob, cool. also, too, it's a limited edition. We only made 100. Yeah, that's right. I mean, once they're gone, they're gone. Exactly. You know, you know I got to tell Rick, I got to tell you the other day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been applying for this new job mm-hmm. and, and I went and uh, uh, I did the interview and I had to go, my, Bob. It went great. It went great. They offered me the job, but awesome. uh, I, I was carrying the coin in my pocket and, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of running my finger over it to sort of, you know, center me, ground me. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually had the opportunity to show my coin. Did you really and I, now? And, and I did. And I told them the story about the coin and I read them uh-huh. the, the eight characteristics, the eight virtues of uh-huh. Captain America that are on the coin. And I explained to them that, you know, I carry this with me because I like to be reminded. I like to have a, a tactile reminder that I can touch and feel so that I stop and ask myself when I'm challenged with ethical questions, you know, what would Cap do? So yeah. it was it was a cool moment. That is awesome. I love yeah. that. And what what was their reaction to that? They were they they thought it was pretty cool. You know, these were these were older guys. You know, they had been around the block a time or two, and they knew Captain America. They I don't know if they were comic guys or not, but they, but they got it. They, they understood it, and uh, and they I passed it around. They all checked it out. They thought it was cool, and they 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 knew about the tradition of a challenge coin or what it's for. So mm-hmm. it wasn't an alien concept to them, but they they thought it was pretty neat. I did his job cool. anyway, so that's fantastic news. Congratulations! Thank you. Um, and I have my my coin right here. There it is. That sounds that's solid right there. That's right? Solid right there. You know, I have um, I have, you know, it, it is interesting when people post pictures in the group. I'm always curious what side are they going to show? Yeah, right, right, yeah. right, because they either show the shield side mm-hmm. or the side that says what would cap do and i would say eight out of ten show the shield side yeah i'm always thrilled i get a little thrill when they show the uh what would cap do side because it's yeah. like you get it all right i mean not that the others <laughs> don't i mean right I mean, yeah. look the shield's cool i get it you know don't don't yeah. be offended if i by my saying that but yeah. um when i have uh in i, I work from home um because of the, you know, my office pandemic, all that kind of fun stuff. So I get to work from home most of the time. And um, I have upstairs next to my monitor, the coin, and it says, what would cap do? And it is uh, facing me. And I will tell you, there are a couple of times where I'm just like, you know, maybe I should check my phone, you know? And then I look at the coin. I'm like, what would cap do? Cap would get his work done. That's what he would do. He wouldn't look at his phone. 
I like stupid coin. <laughs> Wouldn't even not operate the phone. But yeah, your point's yeah. well taken. Yeah. yeah. You know what right. I think? That, and the what would, you know, when you see the what would cap do side, that's what makes it unique, right? Because there's other, there's other, you know, shield coins that are out there. different. Right. Yeah. But there's nothing like the what would cap do side. It is truly limited edition, hard to find, rare and unique. Exactly. All right. And we only have 80 left. <laughs> yeah. So jump on it, folks. <laughs> jump on it. You know, uh, like, yeah, I don't want to miss this train. Um, you know, it's funny is, uh, you know, this time of year, uh, Spotify puts out their, their little thing. Um, it says like, you know, your year in review. And um, uh, one of our, our listeners actually posted on um, the Facebook group, you know, where it's, where it says, she, and, and she wrote, uh, this is, this is for Ash. Hey, Ash. Uh, she wrote, uh, according to my annual Spotify rap, the cap podcast was my most listened to podcast this year. I'm not surprised. Nope. Thank you, Rick and Bob for a great podcast. If anyone hasn't listened to it yet, I highly recommend it. And, uh, it was really sweet. And then at the end, at the bottom of the, the screenshot, it says, uh, Spotify says, and yes, it's totally normal to consider your favorite podcast host, a member of your family. Uh, which is, yep. which is cool because, yep. uh, and then, and then, uh, another one of our listeners commented on that, uh, James Foley. Hey, James, uh, said, see, I knew I wasn't weird thinking Rick and Bob are old friends. Spotify says so. And, uh, listen, if you guys are listening right now and, and we're, we're part of the family or we feel like old friends, thank you. Thank you for, uh, bringing us into your home, bringing us into your car, bringing us into your, your workout routine, whatever you do when you're listening to us, uh, we feel the same way. Uh, nothing like, uh, true cap fans sitting around wrapping cap and, and having a good time. Oh yeah. You know, and, and we've said this time and again, Rick, that, uh, at least I've said it, uh, I'm, I'm no expert. Right. And so, uh, I make mistakes all the time. I bet on this show. And so, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's like a bunch of guys and gals sitting around a table at the, at the coffee shop, having a, having a cup at of the coffee, comic shop at, at the, the comic, comic shop. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't like to drink in a comic shop cause I'm afraid of spilling stuff, but, uh, having a cup of coffee, whatever, just jawboning about cap and the things that we love. And so it's really important to us to hear from you. So, uh, tell us what we did good. Tell us what we did bad. Tell us what you want to hear and, uh, and be part of that family. So the, uh, I got my, for, for this podcast, I got the, um, Captain America comic book fans podcast year in review. And there were some interesting facts that came up and I can't remember them all, but one of the ones that, that step, uh, stood out to me was there were 44 listeners that our podcast was their most listened to podcast of all the podcasts they listen to. All right. That's so we're, we're number one. We're, we're the number one <laughs> podcast for 44 people. That's, I, you know, I, that's pretty fun. That's pretty cool. I, and obviously Ash is one of them. So, yeah. Um, but that was kind of neat. And then also all the different countries uh, that listen to us and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So speaking of countries, and this is kind of funny, um, you know, I, I, I'm a marketing guy, right? So I'm always trying to spread the word. And so I'm, I'm in other Facebook groups or, and, and so on. And I'll post our recent episodes, mm -hmm. right? And I'll, I'll put them up there to, to get people to check it out, right? And, and listen. And, you know, we've certainly have picked up a few listeners that way. 
And uh, for the one that we have recorded um, not too long ago, which was the uh, episode number 58, which was the cap 251-252, which was uh, Batroc and Mr. Hyde. And I had put on there, and and wait do you hear Rick's outrageous French accent, right? Uh, and a, a couple of the groups, you know, were they kind of responded with the Monty Python thing, which was fun. Right, right, yeah. And then I, I go and I can go in and I can see in, in the, uh, the metric statistics. Right. And I see when I do that, um, you know, people are listening and like where they're from. And I look and they're like, somebody from France is listening. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like I post this and somebody from France is like, okay, I'm going to listen to your outrageous French it's, accent. It's on. <laughs> <laughs> so I can only think, you know, like they're listening. Oh, and by the way, there was like also uh, the other day, it was like, it was like six people from Canada. <laughs> listening. Oh yeah. Nice. And, um, uh, I was like, um, I apologize. <laughs> Pardonnez-moi. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Excusez-moi. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Bob, should we get to it? Yes, let's do it. All right. So, Bob, I, uh, you could see as I pulled this up, this is my uh, original copy. It is. Look um, at that quality. It is not in good shape. It looks good. It looks good. But if you hold it up and like on a side angle and put light uh-huh. on it. You can see all the dimples and right. uh, creases. Well, and well it, loved. It, it certainly was. I mean, and, and this was, I bought it brand new. Right? Uh-huh. I, I bought it brand new back in, oh gosh, when did this come out? It came out, um, even though it's a Christmas story, did you know uh, the release date was January 3rd? Wow. 1984. So yeah. I don't know if it was late. It was supposed to be a December issue. I don't know, huh. but it came out January uh, 3rd, 1984. It had a cover date of April, which is odd. I know. Yeah. Um, but uh, this, this cover, um, it's a really interesting cover. I think um, it, it, the arts by Ed Hannigan uh, and Claus Jansen and Claus Jansen, um, you know, great inker. He's inked so many people over the years, Frank Miller, most notably, but also he did the, John Remitter Jr. run uh, volume seven of Captain America. Um, but it's a cool, cool cover. It's um, now, if you're looking at issue 292, it still has the, the Mike Zek corner box where the, you know, the caps kind of falling, um, you know, jumping down, right. And he's got a shield that extends out of the box. It has the Captain America logo, which is a, throwback to the 40s captain america logo um 60 cents bob 
60 cents is what I paid for this comic back, back then. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, um, on the cover, it's cap in a battle and it's something you don't normally see. And that is cap losing. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, you have the, this, um, uh, as you said, an indigenous character, um, native American, um, who is in his garb uh and basically he's got on long boots that go past his knees and then some sort of loincloth and and but other than that he's he's shirtless um you know he's got some bracelets on a mask um some feathers uh totally looks the part right mm-hmm. um and he's they're on top of the of this bridge that is um I don't know. It's just the Brooklyn bridge. I think it is. Um, that is, uh, Oh, the very peak looking from the top, looking down and down, what you see is this incredible city landscape. And then you see the river underneath. In fact, they're so high up, Bob, underneath them are, are the seagulls flying. Yeah. Yeah. It has a real Inception quality to it. You know that movie Inception oh, yeah. with Christopher Nolan? You know, it's sort of a weird sort of how the cityscape was just all sort of weird and rolling by. It has that feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see I could see that. Um, yeah, was that Matt Damon, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, I get to mix up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good movie. Um, anyway, so Cap's being kicked backwards and he's falling and... Uh, they're again so high up on the, over the bridge that the cars down below look like ants, and Cap's shield is flying away from him, uh, and it says, "Beware, the Black Crow." Mm-hmm. Now, the who are the creators for this? Well, we have J.M. DeMatteis, who's been on on the series for a few years now. Um, and he is building up to the the huge uh, issue of 300, right? So we're at 292. Um, but you know who's not uh, art on the book is we no longer have Mike Zek. Um, Mike Zek left a, a couple of issues ago. 290 was his last issue, and then um, uh, we had a, a fill-in um, previous issue. I think it was by was it Ron Friends. I think Bill Mantlo did the writing, but um, anyway, so we have a new penciler on the series and it is um, Mr. Paul Neary. Now, do you know who Paul Neary is, Bob? He is a, he's a penciler on Captain America, right? Oh, well, thanks, Bob. Uh, Yes. In fact, (laughs) this kicks off a very long run for him. Um, So over the next 40 issues, uh, 39 of those 40, he was either the penciler or he did the breakdowns. Um, so nice long run, but he actually wasn't really known as, as a penciler for, for many years. He was actually known as an inker. Uh, but now don't, don't get me wrong. He's done a lot. He's over the course of his career. He's, he's, he's been a writer. He's been, uh, an editor, um, and, and penciler and and inker, but, um, he was probably best known for inking Alan Davis. Now, uh, Paul Neary is British and, um, Alan Davis is British. So they had started off with kind of um, those 2000 AD comics and then, then broke themselves into like a Marvel UK. Um, and then Alan Davis, who um, 
is a, is a renowned penciler. Um, there's Neri was his anchor um, on the series uh, Excalibur. Um, then he, uh, they did a, a nice little run of detective comics. Uh, I think that was the, where they did like Batman year two. Um, uh, and then later he was, uh, an anchor on another British artist, uh, Brian Hitch, who was, uh, who did authority. And then he did the uh, ultimates, which was a, you know, a different version of Captain America. Uh, but anyway, he, um, uh, he's a, he's a, uh, a really renowned uh creator in in the comic world and and certainly uh had a long run on the captain america series always you know i you know uh neary always sort of takes a back seat to zek and uh zek had such a phenomenal run but you know i i've all you know and some people say well neary's you know serviceable but i i don't always like neary's work i for me um you know it's always been sort of punchy and dramatic and and i've i've enjoyed it mm-hmm yeah, and it's funny is um, uh, now on this particular issue, the inker is uh, Eduardo Barreto. Um, but for a little while, um, John Beatty comes and, and inks Paul Neary. Um, so, you know, of course, he was inked Mike Zach for a few years uh, on cap, but uh, he comes back and, and inks Paul Neary, which um, kind of uh, adds his own little style to it. And the colorist on this issue is, uh, would you be surprised if I said Bob Sharon? No, I wouldn't be surprised, Rick. Bob That's right. had quite a long run. He did. Bob's, Bob's been on uh, colorist on Captain America for a very long time. Um, and, uh, of course, we had the pleasure of talking to him back, gosh, when was that? That was uh, episode five. And way back in the beginning. Yeah, that was uh, nearly a year ago. No. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was cool. And then uh, letterer is Diana Albers and editor is Mark Runewald. So Bob, before we get actually into the story, um, I just want to touch base on Black, the char- this character Black Crow a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the, this is the introduction of Jesse Black Crow. Um, and you may think, eh, it's kind of a one and done character. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, the character has actually come back a few times. Um, there was an issue of uh, Daredevil um, mm-hmm. that he was in, and he was also in the uh, the Civil War story. Um, so he uh, fought. He was he was imprisoned uh, during that um, during Civil War. Um, he was freed in the final battle, and he was with the Secret Avengers um, after Civil War. He was, you know, I think they're considering him for like um, a part of the initiative. So he's, he's, he's been around. He hasn't been, he's not a one and done. Um, and he's a, he's an interesting character, as you said. So uh, the, he's so interesting and, and we'll, we'll get to this after this issue. Um, but I, when we had a chance to talk with um, Uh, J.M. DeMatteis, uh, again, the writer who, of this issue and who's been writing Cap for, for a few years now, um, he had, when we talked with him back in um, episode 13, so check out episode 13 for a great conversation with J.M. DeMatteis, um, he talks about what his plans were for this character, um, especially 
in issue 300, which mm-hmm. he had been leading up to. We'll, we'll touch base on that after we get finished with this story. So we open it up to this big splash page. And it says, Stanley presents Captain America, an American Christmas. And it's this huge, uh, I don't know, almost looks like a some sort of bird type creature. I, it, I, I wouldn't say it's a a falcon or an eagle or something, but it's it's just a dark, menacing, winged beast uh, with with these huge talons. And under and it's coming down from the night sky, and you see Captain America kind of in a ball jumping with his shield up to protect himself. And then on the ground underneath is Nomad, which is Jack Monroe, the the Bucky from the 1950s. And it says, it came swooping down at us like something out of a nightmare. And then the next page, we see Cap in the middle of the night in a cityscape, swinging his shield. I swear, Bernie, there was an intelligence about the thing. Its eyes seemed to be laughing as it turned and, and soared away from us. I tried to stop it, and he throws his shield. And the shield just ricochets off these huge talons, and it makes a, a big noise. What, what's, what's the sound effect here, Bob? Bang! Exactly. <laughs> and all the all the 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 bird says is call. More like call. <laughs> yeah, a lot like that, Bob. A lot like that. <laughs> and then the shield ricochets back into Cap's arms. And he said, uh, I tried to stop it, but I couldn't. I just stood there, staring into the night sky, listening to the echo of that eerie cry, and wondering what in heaven it all meant. And it's a nice little, um, uh, I guess, transfer here, right? We, we see a, a picture of steve's face i mean i'm sorry captain america's face with his you know mask on and then it cuts to steve's face um in the same exact thing so it's a nice little transition almost like something you would see in a movie right i also love the fact that steve says what in heaven it all meant right because i think the phrase typically is what in hell right right exactly yeah not not our steve And so we cut to Steve laying on the couch uh, and he's wearing um, a white dress shirt and uh, magenta colored slacks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a fair, that's a fair, that's a fair uh, estimation of the color scheme. Yeah. Yes. It's an interesting choice by Bob Sharon. Um, And as he's laying on the couch on his back with his head up on the pillow and he's eating some popcorn Laying uh, in his left arm is Bernie Rosenthal. Now, for those who haven't been reading Captain America from this time period, the last 
three years or so during J.M. DeMatteis' run, uh, Bernie and Steve have become quite the item and um, gotten very, very serious. So she says to him, and you say that was the second time that giant crow attacked you? Uh-huh. Last week when Nomad and I were coming back from Arnie Roth's, the same thing happened. Who's Arnie Roth, Bob? That's one of Cap's best friends, Rick. Best friends boyhood, from a, when? A boyhood, a boyhood friend at that. Yes, that's true. So again, this is 1983, 1984. So to have a childhood friend from his 30s would, you know, put this character in his, you know, 50s, basically, yeah. which is yeah. believable. Yeah. Right. It's believable back then. I mean, obviously, we couldn't do it now in today's times. But um, yes. So Arnie Roth is, is a friend. Um, and then Nomad, as I mentioned, is Jack Monroe who's been his partner the last couple of years, um, taking on the role of Nomad, uh, which is a role that Steve took for a brief time um, when he became disenfranchised with America during Steve Englehart's run. And um, so he says, yeah, last week when Nomad and I were coming back to Larnie Ross, uh, which was two episodes, uh, two issues ago, issue two, 290. He says a lightning fast attack. And then it was gone. Hey, what about that scarecrow nut who was killing all those people a few months back? Didn't you say he had some kind of power over crows? And that was issue 280, Bob. Mm-hmm. He has a flock of trained birds. This, this monster was hardly of the pet store variety. The strangest thing was, I don't think it was out to kill me or, or even hurt me. Then what? I think its primary goal was fear. And just then, Bernie... Uh, jumps off the couch off of laying in Steve's arms. And she says, Oh yeah. Well, if you think that feathered fury was something, then you've never been attacked by the awesome Rosenthal bird of Brooklyn Heights. And she starts dancing up and down, uh, you know, flapping her, her arms like wings. Note the enormous wingspan, the savage grace, the $150 contact lenses. Ah, yes, Steve Rogers. Stronger men than you have fallen prey to the avian menace. Cuckoo! And she then jumps back on Steve on the couch, but he puts up a pillow and and kind of uh, pretend faint. Oh, heavens, get back, get back. Forget it, pal, this little birdie. And then she pulls him off the couch onto the floor. Help, police, has got you nailed. I surrender, I surrender. And he... She's on top of him as he's laying on the the living room floor. You know something, Steve? If I didn't joke about this stuff, I think I'd go crazy. And then for a very tender moment, Bob, she leans in and they're about to kiss. And then click and her eye opens and turns to the door. And who's there? Jack. That's right. We have a word for that, but I'm not going to use it because this is a family show. <laughs> is he a blocker? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, and he has uh, some items in his hand. He's wearing a coat and he opens up the door and he's like, uh, uh, hi guys. Uh, I, I guess I walked in at the wrong time, huh? Why Jack Monroe, whatever gave you that idea? 
Uh, yeah, well, um, I'll see you guys later, okay? And he turns to leave, and and Steve gets up, and he has a big smile on his face, grabs his arm. Jack, relax. It's all right. You, you sure? Of course we're sure, silly. You are Steve's roommate, after all. How'd the shopping go? Pretty good. Uh, I went down to this place called Canal Jeans, and I picked up something. Uh, I think they're called Funk clothes should be terrific for job hunting tomorrow huh and uh they're opening up the package and bernie says that's punk jack with a p and if you show up for a job interview wearing this you can kiss all chances for gainful employment goodbye steve's laughing tell you what i'll pick you up a few things after class tonight you're in school i teach pottery just a part-time thing at a small art center in the village. You know, Steve, and she's putting on her jacket as she's leaving, maybe we ought to get married so that Jack can have this apartment all to himself. The poor boy simply has no privacy. And then she closes the door after herself. And Steve looks at, at Jack and he's like, did she say married? I think so. I'm really excited about this job hunting. Sure was nice of S.H.I.E.L.D. to provide me with some up-to-date ID. And at this point, uh, Steve's dressed up. He's got a dress shoot, like a dress shirt and a tie. Um, Jack's making some, some hot chocolate for the two of them. You'd have a heck of a time explaining yourself without it. Yeah. Can you imagine that? You see, sir. I'm the superhero called Nomad, but I used to be Bucky partner of the 1950s Captain America, and I've been in cryogenic freeze for 30 years, and and they'd show you the door very quickly. You going out? I've got a meeting over at Bennett Advertising. Another big ad campaign? Yep, and I don't leave right this second. I'm going to be late. Thanks for the hot chocolate, partner. Don't wait up for me. I won't. So now we cut to Queens. And we see up in the sky, a shadow of a crow. But it's foggy. This normally crowded street is strangely deserted as the huge black shape passes overhead. Enshrouded in mist, it is skirling across a starless sky that seems gravid with menace and mystery. Slowly, ever so slowly, the shape within the smoky call diminishes until an all-too-ordinary crow swoops in through an apartment window and alights upon, of all things, a wheelchair. With a frantic beating of its tiny wings, the crow gathers the swirling mist together. Then it seems that bird and mist merge, grow, reform, and become a man. And sure enough, there is um, uh, a, a man sitting in the wheelchair. And Bob, I just want to point out, he also has magenta pants. He's got the same pants, man. So very, very popular at that time. I didn't have a pair of that color, but I'm reconsidering my choices. It was either that or uh, Bob Sharon had a plethora of magenta markers at the time. <laughs> that might have been as well, yeah. <laughs> his name is Jesse Blackcrow, and his mind is on fire. And he looks into the mirror, 
How many times in the past months has this happened? The blackouts, the dreams, the exquisite visions, and the exquisite pain. He looks into the mirror, gazes at his own face reflected there, and wonders if the final fragile threads of sanity have at last been cut. The mirror has no answer. Or does it? The sunken-eyed reflection dissolves, replaced by a ballet of images from Black Crow's past. There sits Black Crow, the boy, drinking in the dreams of a great-grandfather whose pride could not be dimmed by age, the constraints of the reservation, or the humiliations of the 20th century. Dreams of dignity and equality, not just for the Navajo, but for all the Indian nations. The ballet continues. There stands Black Crow the man, the reservation life behind him, buried behind the long-dead grandfather. Now Jesse straddles the girders at construction sites, helps build towering monuments to the white world that overthrew his own. More images. The crippling fall from 20 stories that should have killed him, but didn't. The hospital bed where he lay, broken and feverish, where a door flung wide in his soul and set free the visions. He soars higher than the skyscrapers. He communes with great spirits. He touches the blazing heart of ecstasy and agony. We cut to the next page, which is uh, full of different montage of scenes. With the visions comes the burden of blood, the burden of history. Black Crow sees the white man's horses trampling every cornfield and Hogan feels the white man's bullets ripping through red flesh. Hears the mournful wail of an entire race as the Anglos destroy centuries of mystic harmony with their churches and schools, their guns and alcohol. And at last he understands the time has come for a balancing of scales, for the spirit of the old America to take form and hunt down the embodied spirit of the new America. Without hatred shall Black Crow seek him out. Without anger shall Black Crow strike him down. He shall sing a morning song when his opponent falls, but fall he must. And in that image he's talking about Captain America. It's heavy stuff, Bob. That, that is heavy stuff. I mean, this is this is like quintessential Demetrius writing, right? I mean, it's uh, he's he 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 writes a good adventure story, a good action story, but there's often some deep stuff underneath uh, that he layers in uh, that uh, that that bear thinking about. So good stuff. Absolutely. Manhattan, three weeks later. It's well past quitting time for most of the workers who crowd these midtown office buildings. Come on, Arthur. Bernie will be here any minute. Get your coat on. But here at Bennett Advertising, quitting time just never seems to arrive. And by the way, Bob, speaking as someone who has worked for a couple of advertising agencies in his career, that's a true statement right there. That's it. You're a madman. Yeah. You know, I never watched that. Never watch. Oh, it's a great show. Right? I hear it's a great show. You got to check it out. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's like one of those things will hit too close to home. Yeah. Uh, not that I was 
in the advertising agencies during that time period because right. that was a different time period yeah um you know but uh i don't know maybe one worth, of these days i'll check worth it out. checking out yeah sure but first i wanted you to look at this poster over again do i have to yes you have to steve this quickie burger campaign is going to make us rich why are you so uncomfortable working on it you want the truth of course and he's holding a poster of quickie burger and it says the truly heroic hamburger and it's an image of um a he-man of sorts right um you know he's uh you know a big burly man holding a burger high in the sky uh with his belt and i don't know what do you call that uh, a heroic loincloth maybe i don't know yeah something, something like that roman gladiator type yeah. of look right so steve says arthur when you think of everything that needs to be done in this country how can you possibly justify the millions these people throw away trying to foist hamburgers on the american public on second thought lie to me and then just then, Bernie comes walking in, and she's got uh, her arms full. You've got to watch out for him, Mr. Bennett. Once Steve gets an opening, he zooms right in there and starts lecturing. Luckily, he can't lecture with his mouth full, so let's go eat. You kids go on without me. I've got a lot of work to catch up on. All right, but you better not be working late on Christmas Eve. We don't want you to miss our dinner party. You kidding? Since my wife divorced me, I've spent every Christmas Eve sucking frozen TV dinners and watching the Yule Log on Channel 11. I wouldn't miss your get-together for the world. You better not. I'm making lasagna. So Steve and, and Bernie walk out into the, uh, into the street, downtown Manhattan, dressed in their jackets. Uh, it's cold out. Um, and she's got her arm wrapped in his. As they're walking, ah, Christmas, mistletoe, the tree at Rockefeller Center, Bruce Springsteen singing Santa Claus is coming to town. And Steve says, Bruce who? Oh, forget it. You, uh, you posted this. I, 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 I knew, Bob, you were doing your homework on this, <laughs> yeah. on this issue. Right. Um, because uh, a few days ago, you posted that scene. Uh, in in our, our facebook group uh i you know i it, no one else probably understood what was going right, on there, right but yeah. i knew bob yeah. was doing his homework you know and it generated a lot of discussion right about which christmas songs sort of bring uh bring christmas to mind but also a lot of discussion about what christmas songs would resonate with with steve rogers you know considering the time frame that he mm-hmm. came out of so it was it was it was a good conversation around that but it's it's quintessential steve right bruce who yeah right yeah so. it's almost like uh you know from the the movie where he has to break out his book and write it down like yep. oh all right bob let's do it let's do it right. quintessential christmas song uh-huh. what is what is the your favorite song slash version right because god knows yeah it's the same 15 songs out there but different versions of those songs yeah right what is your favorite song favorite version and then i'll tell you mine all right well i i know i for me it's bing crosby white christmas because oh yeah Every year we would watch White Christmas with uh, Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby. And uh, 
the the Clooney lady. What's her name? I can't remember her first name. Rose, Rosemary Clooney. Yes. Yeah. George Clooney's aunt. So every year we'd watch that uh, on VHS. And uh, and so for me, White Christmas by Bing Crosby boo, 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 would be uh, the quintessential <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> the quintessential Christmas song. Oh, uh, you going to croon me, Bob? Is that what you're do? <laughs> I'm trying to contain my crooning tonight. Oh, OK. <laughs> now, first of all, good call. High five. Awesome. Right. Uh, Bing Crosby, White Christmas, favorite Christmas album all time. I know we're not alone. It's, it's a highly popular album. It yeah. sold, you know, so much. Um, and, and it brings me a great memory because that was my, I, I don't know if it was my dad's favorite, but we certainly played the heck out of it. And, and like, we would get the album out and put it on the record player when I was, a wow. kid. Yeah. you know, and, and I remember, you know, the big picture of Bing with the Santa hat, uh, hey, and yeah. the white background, you know, on the cover yeah. of the album. Uh, and, and it's a great album. And it, if, and if on one side, the first side, they're all like holy Christian songs, mm-hmm. right? Um, because he was extremely Christian, right? And, and that was a, a big thing for him. He had to get talked into doing non-christian songs and that was the second side of the album you know where they they're doing you know rudolph and you know all these other songs right, yeah that, you know um you know melly Milikalaka, you know yeah, and, right 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 and, and, and they get the the julie or the andrew sisters right yeah uh, doing the backup vocals um so yeah love that tradition wise i've carried on the tradition whenever my kids or, you know, on Christmas morning, we go to open up the presents before they come down the stairs. I start playing white Christmas. Oh my gosh. And they, they come down. It's our ritual every Christmas, right? That's what we yeah. do. That's an awesome tradition. And, uh, and I'm sure you're, I mean, that's going to really resonate with your kids when they get their own kids. That's awesome. Right. Yep. That's awesome. Wow. Are you um, going to ask me? <laughs> what am i gonna ask you rick <laughs> what's your favorite christmas song i thought that was it i thought that was your favorite christmas what is your favorite christmas song how do you top that oh you can't top that but i would say a close second okay and and listen i'm gonna get people right now listening <laughs> If you say Mariah Carey, I'm coming through the screen. I'm going to slap you silly. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're going to slap me silly when you hear my answer. All right. Uh, And and half the people are going to be like, roll their eyes going, oh, my God, no, I hate that song. I turn it off every time I hear it. And the other half are going to go like, yes, yes. Now, Bob, you know, my favorite band of all time is the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. My favorite musician of all time is Paul McCartney. Okay. And you cannot have a Christmas without a simply having a wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> Oh, 
that is a that is like a station changer right there. I know. I told you. I told you. I we we just lost listeners right now. Yes. I just I, I think there are people out I there. Screw like, the coin. <laughs> like I'm not listening. <laughs> I give up. But no, I love that song. I love that song. Wow. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Right. <laughs> Right, it okay. gets in you. It gets All in right. you. Now I know who bought that album. Okay. Oh, are you? Oh, are, nice joke. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that sold so much. Oh my god! That's gosh. probably one of his. That's probably one of his quintessential, that's... like royalty songs. You know, that comes out seasonally for him, like every All Christmas. Right. Cha ching. Right. You know. All right. So this, folks, for listeners, those of you on the Facebook group, we always say that, like different strokes for different folks everybody likes something different and just just let it go scroll on by this is i'm taking this moment rick i'm scrolling on by oh very nice (laughs) very nice all right well that being said i'm opening it up to our listeners listen when we post this in the facebook group we want to hear what's your favorite christmas song and do you like or not like Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time? And if you if you love it, I want to hear some Rick. I'm with you. Uh, you know, I got your back. You know, whatever. Great. If you don't, feel free to mock me. I don't well, care. You got a hall pass, folks. You're getting you a hall it. pass. <laughs> you can tell me. You know, you can mock me. Just don't mock Paul McCartney. <laughs> All right. That's where I draw the line. All right. Woo. All right. All right. So uh, anyway, so he says, Bruce who? And she says, forget it. She says, you know, a nice Jewish girl like me never got to appreciate Christmas when I was a kid. But now it's like never having chocolate before in your life and finding yourself in a candy store. What's this? A, a religious conversion no way this has nothing to do with any particular religion i'm talking about that warmth that that special feeling that permeates the air this time of the year i hope our kids can enjoy all the holidays you know christmas hanukkah easter pass bernie wait a minute now as he's grabbing her arm and he's saying this my immediate reaction just from this one panel is right what do you whoa you're talking about our kids like we're not even married like wait whoa hey hey. but that's not what he's talking about she's like what's wrong this fog it seems to have sprung up from nowhere and the sounds of the city oh wow i can't hear anything bernie run and just then um coming uh is is this big like lightning bolt that comes to the ground and bob it doesn't just hit the ground i mean look at the destruction that it does on the street with the amount of like pavement breaking up like if that actually hit either steve or bernie uh i mean i would obviously would have killed him so if it wasn't for steve's reflexes pushing her away that would have been bad news from the heart of the fog comes the lightning from the heart of the lightning comes a man so coming up from that destruction in the street is black crow cold winds range about him 
but he stands unmoving, like a thing of stone. Then a mournful chant upon his lips. The figure moves forward. Steve? Steve! And then Steve, he could hear, see his thought bubble. He's tensing, getting ready to leap. But I can angle myself under him. It should be easy to... And as he goes to grab his, his ankle in a defensive move, Black Crow instead reaches down and grabs his, Steve's wrist. And Steve's like, grab him? And Black Crow is able to take him and flip Steve. He turned that move around on me like I was an amateur. And any man who could do that to Captain America got to pivot on this fire escape, use my momentum to hit him hard. And he comes back from the fire escape and jumps onto him and he nails him in the, in the torso. All right, Mr. Talk, who are you? What do you want? Why are you trying to? And just then, Black Crow is able to maneuver himself and flip Steve so that he's on the ground instead of him and he slams him and just then he pulls out a knife and Bernie's watching horrified and what does he do with the knife he cuts off a lock of Steve's hair and then he he turns into a crow and there's a sound effect Bob what, what does the crow say crow <laughs> My cat looked at me like, what the heck? And the crow recedes. Reality returns. My God, Steve, that was the crow you told me about. But how? I don't understand. She's grabbing his arm. Neither do I, Bernie. And then he thinks, but one thing is clear. He managed to throw me back like I was so much dead weight. And if he wanted to, he could have done more than cut off a lock of my hair with that knife of his. Whoever, whatever he is, he's dangerous. And judging by today's attack, he knows that Captain America and Steve Rogers are one and the same. Dun, dun, dun. And there's a nice little page here of a a montage of images of of Steve and, um, and various characters. In the weeks that follow, A semblance of normalcy once more settles over Steve Rogers' world. He attends regular Avengers meetings, shops for Hanukkah and Christmas gifts with Bernie, encourages Jack Monroe in his frustrating quest for the perfect job, and puts the finishing touches on the Quickie Burger ad campaign. But on the periphery of his consciousness, a black crow always hovers, and its shadow creeps into every corner of his life. Interesting, because, mm-hmm. you know, he changed the Quickie Burger ad. Instead of having that He-Man, it's now a, a, an Indian chief. Yeah. Right? Do you, remember, do you remember what was going on about this time, Rick, in terms of the ad world campaign? Go ahead. I think I know where you're going. Yeah. You remember the the crying Indian you know, the pollution ad about, you know, it's do your part. Don't, don't pollute. Right. And had, uh, I can't remember his name, chief iron horse or whatever it was. 
that had just sort of stood there silently with the tear rolling down his face as he looked out upon an American countryside that was uh, was littered. Remember that? Yeah, but wasn't that like five years before this? I mean, that was well, late seventies. It, it was, but it, it was a. I remember at this time uh, those those commercials on TV. They were ubiquitous at the time. I mean, it okay. was a, it was a big scam, of course. Uh, a big marketing scam to, you know, to sort of dissuade people that it wasn't the government's business to uh, to enforce recycling or to force companies to uh, to sort of take the lead on recycling and that it was every individual's responsibility to, to do their part and, and do that thing. But we'll set that aside for the time being. But it was those those I remember those advertisements being very, very, very uh, uh present in my life on tv you know watching those mm-hmm. uh, at, oh, we at all remember time. those ads yeah, yeah right i mean and so uh i think it's interesting that they've they've sort of de Mateus has taken that motif and sort of put it here it's part of the larger story i think um i'm not sure what the teddy bear with the shield and uh, and the magic wand is in that, that montage of christmas scenes but you know uh, yeah, maybe the commercialization of, uh, of superheroes. I don't know. Build-A-Bear. This is an early version of Build-A-Bear. And then we cut to the next page, um, and we have Black Crow standing in front of the mirror. And this is the, the Black Crow, not Jesse Black Crow. December 24th, 9.36 p.m. Hey, Bob, that's Christmas Eve. It is. Yeah. Not a creature was stirring, but apparently Black Crow. Apparently Black Crow. He has worked the ceremonial magics, burnt the leaves of the yucca plant, and placed the ash upon his eyes to open wide his mystic sight. Now, all that remains is the dance and the triumphant song of the earth spirit. And he does. He does... um, a traditional Native American dance. In his pouch, the hair of his intended victim mingles with cornmeal, pollen, pulverized blossoms, and the dust of a corpse. Peyote lights his consciousness as an exploding sun lights the infinite blackness of space. He spreads wide his arms, welcomes the silvery moonlight, merges with it, and rides off. To face destiny. And he does. He almost becomes like a, a lightning bolt. So he's a quite the mystic character. Probably could give Dr. Strange a run for his money. In Brooklyn Heights, at Steve's apartment. You know, when I first told my mom and dad that we were having a Christmas party, they hit the roof. And so we see around the table, Steve and Bernie and Jack uh, with some guests, right? So we have Arnie Roth and we have uh, Steve's boss, author, and then uh, one of Bernie's friends. So uh, her friend responds to her. Yeah, but I'll bet when you and Steve went out to their place for a Hanukkah, and Steve turned on the old charm. They were ready to sing a few choruses of Silent Night. Hardly, but they were a bit more amenable. 
more wine burn? Just a drop. And then Arthur speaks up. Then I told him that any sponsor who can't get behind a singing toilet bowl wasn't worth the effort. What do you think, Roth? A singing toilet bowl? Uh, so then we cut to, uh, they're off the table and they're standing around in the room. So our, uh, Arthur is um, uh, talking with uh, Bernie's friend. So you're an old friend of Bernadette's, is that right, Miss Brennan? Actually, we've only known each other for about six months, but we've become really close and call me Anne, please. And then Arthur's got his arm around Jack. Advertising's the place for you, Jack. Think about the power you have over people. Come on, Arthur, it's Christmas Eve. And then Arnie says to Anne, uh, and, and you, can, you can call me Arnie. Steve says, let's leave the shop talk and the singing toilet bowls where it belongs. Now I, you may hear a, What's that scratching sound, Rick? That's what Steve said. Oh. Sounds something at the window. Maybe it's Marley's ghost. It's a bird. Some kind of crow. Ow. He scratched me. And then it flies off. What's it say, Bob? (coughs) Steve, you don't think... I don't think, Bernie, I know. If you all excuse me, I, uh, I have to dash out for a minute. In the middle of your own party? Why? We're running low on mistletoe. Mistletoe? So just then Jack chases after him. Hang on a minute, Steve. I'll go with you. And then Bernie leaves and she says, uh, hey, guys, wait for me. So that just leaves their guests, right? So we got Arnie and Anne and Arthur. Hey, triple A. <laughs> yeah. So Arnie says, hey, must be some kind of joke. In fact, I'll bet they'll come back dressed up like Santa and his helpers all loaded down with presents. I hope Bernie puts on the Santa suit because I'd love to see Steve and Jack all decked in those little green tights. Bound chicka bound bound. And that's really sexist, Bob. It is. It is. Yeah. Steve Rogers has ceased to exist. In his place stands a red, white, and blue garbed legend who runs headlong into the stinging winter wind, eyes fired with a sense of purpose, of destiny. He knows with every fiber of his being where his opponent is. He does not know how he knows. He simply does. And then following is uh, Nomad in his costume. The air is thick with portent as it is with fog this night. And then there's Bernie. Others sense that a momentous event is about to transpire. And so they follow breathless with wonder, anticipation, and dread. The Brooklyn Bridge is deserted, save for the lone figure limed against the moon. I am Black Crow, he says, in a voice that is no more than a whisper, yet louder somehow than thunder. 
I am the transgressions of the past seeking redemption. I am your brother. And then he turns into lightning and he fires right where Cap was standing, but Cap jumps out of the way. I am your death. Barely got out of the way in time, head spinning. But good Lord, he transformed himself into living lightning. What kind of foe am I facing here? I see your thoughts, Captain, clear and bright. I am not your foe. What I do, I do in the name of the Great Spirit, in the name of my America, in the name of justice. And Nomad comes running up. All right, Engine Joe, hold it right there. Engine Joe, Bob. Right. There's the 1950s uh, sort of Cap and Bucky sort of attitude coming out. No, young one. You hold it. And he just looks at Nomad and he, and he freezes. Holy, he just looked at me and, and now I can't move. So Cap throws his shield. I don't know what you just did to Nomad, mister, but that was your last magic trick. And just then he turns again into lightning and the shield goes right past him. And then the lightning comes back and it's shooting all around to the top uh leading to the very very top of the bridge remember when we talked about the cover bob How right yeah the very end? here we go the indian rides the moonlight itself to the bridge's heights captain america clamors after him understanding now that these are not tricks that this man is truly possessed of supernatural powers of strength far beyond his own other men would be frightened by such a realization, but the Sentinel of Liberty is not other men. And how about that, Bob? Right? Like you he realizes at this point, like, wow, I am facing someone with supernatural power. They can turn themselves into lightning. Uh that doesn't deter Cap. He just he's like, I gotta stop this guy. And he right. chases after him to the top of the bridge. Mission's the mission, man. Got to get it done. Ah, my brother, you were everything Black Crow had hoped, and far more. You keep calling me brother, yet you seek to kill me. Why? Look around, my brother, at the world you embody, a world of concrete and metal that smothers the land and strangles the soul. Then ask me why, if you dare. On this night so sacred to your people, this night when the spirit of your America is at its peak, retribution shall be mine. When you die, Captain, the sins of your fathers die with you. The scales will have found balance. The restless spirits of my people will have found harmony once more. And in that harmony, the past and the present can merge, become transformed. In this land we love so can birth a future worthy of both our peoples. Such is the will of the earth spirit. Such is our destiny. And on top of this bridge, it's snowing, right? So it's picture a, a dark, stormy night with lots of snow, winds, 
Cap comes at Black Crow with his shield. You're spouting mystical nonsense. Black Crow fights back. And you seek to deny with the mind's logic that which your heart recognizes as truth. You speak of truth while you hide away within mist and shadow? Show yourself. I am here, my brother. And he hits him from behind. And here. And he smacks him in the head. Yes, you are here, aren't you? And just as he's getting hit in the face, on the recoil, he grabs his wrist. That's a that's a pretty cool strategic move there, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. I know you're going to hit me next, so I'm going to grab your wrist after your follow-through the punch. And he holds his wrist, and he's, now listen to me, Black Crow. Even what you're saying is true even if the battle is necessary to balance some kind of cosmic scale, there has to be some other way to achieve that balance. My entire life has been dedicated to finding that. Stop struggling, blast you. You're pulling us both toward the edge. We're going to fall. And sure enough, the two of them fall, which was what the Black Crow was intending. But the Black Crow turns into a crow and he can fly. Steve, on the other hand, cannot. So he goes to grab one of the cables. Bernie, who's at the bottom, is looking up. And she yells, Steve. And Cap says, Bernie? Farewell, my brother. Black Crow shall mourn your passing. And as he's grabbing the cable, it becomes ice and slippery. What the devil? Ice? Pulling out of the fall from this height isn't going to be easy. But if it can be done, I'll do it. And he moves his shield in such a way where he grabs this. It it hits the side of the of the uh, girders, and he uses it to kind of scrape along the side. Bernie's down there, and I'm not going to let her bear the burden of watching me die. Let every wind out of Hades try to batter me down, but I'm going to live. I'm going to. And just as he's trying to dig into the girder, Bob, lightning strikes and hits him down. And it makes this loud noise. What's that noise? <gasps> wow, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, cat. But he, uh, he lands and he puts his shield down to brace the impact. But of course, the shield can only do so much, Bob. So he's laying there unconscious. And Cap's eyes then blurred open and he says, live. The word reverberates in his mind, urging him up on his trembling legs. And he is, he's shaking. Live. Who speaks the words he cannot say? Perhaps his own subconscious. Perhaps something more. And he struggles to get up. Live. He raises his shield ready to battle until the last breath has been sucked from his lungs. And then, in a flash, a door flings wide in his soul. And he knows what must be done. Just then, he falls to his knees, and he almost offers his shield to Black Crow. And Black Crow says, You kneel? 
you kneel. <laughs> and just then, he reaches down to the submissive cap, grabs his shoulders to help him stand. And the two of them embrace. Like, and, and really embrace, like put their heads down on each other's shoulders to really signify a, a true spirit of brotherhood. Black Crow says, the earth spirit, and he turns into this, this figment of, of a, almost like a star. And he says, is pleased. And then the star jumps out into the sky. And the caption reads, and, and, and then at this point we see Bernie and Jack kind of running towards Cap. Mm. The caption reads, America. Her past was born of dreams and blood, savage nobility and civilized barbarism. Her present is equal parts violence and ideals, unfathomable despair, and unfathomable hope. And Bernie goes into Steve's arms and Jack puts his hand on his shoulder. And she says, babe, I, I thought I'd lost you. I thought. And her future. And she goes, Steve Rogers, will you marry me? And then they kiss. Perhaps the seeds of her future have been sown tonight. There's an epilogue, but but before we get to the epilogue, what do you think, Bob? Wow, wow, Rick. You know, um, I you know, I, I gotta you know, I've been reading this book by uh, Scott Wiedensall. It's called The First Frontier, and basically, it's a history of uh, early interactions by the colonists all the way from Florida up to the coast of Maine and into Canada with the indigenous nations and a lot of the conflict and, and, and what happened in those sort of early interactions and, and eventually how it led to the decline and fall of a lot of these uh, indigenous nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been really eye-opening for me. Um, but I think back to like when I was reading this for the first time, uh, when this book first came out and it, 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 there's a lot here to unpack. And, yeah. uh, and I, and I think, you know, if, if you know the history, this is, this is really impactful. And, and I, and I have to credit De Mateus for, uh, for sort of tackling this topic in sort of a, you know, somewhat superficial way, but in a way that challenges you maybe to dig in a bit, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and I hope uh, I don't know I I don't know what the reaction was at the time when this story came out, um, but I hope that a lot of folks dug into it a little bit and understood what what he was trying to say here about the two Americas embracing in order to move forward and what that meant um, because I think it's a really powerful lesson. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I mean, obviously. Um, 
the, the, you know, some people may read this and say, ah, oh, it's kind of preachy, um, you know, because they, I guess they, they don't want to take a look at um, what life is like from the Native American perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly um, history has shown that, you know, quite frankly, we were on the wrong side of some of this, right? Mm-hmm. And how, mm-hmm. how we treated the Native Americans. Um, and, you know, when I go back to the what would Cap do challenge coin, yeah, right? There are eight characteristics, Bob, that, that we felt really embodied uh, Steve Rogers. I mean, we could say Captain America, but let's be honest, right? right. This is, yeah. you know, Steve Rogers. And, and one of them, one of those eight is empathy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I challenge listeners who um, maybe felt this issue was a little preachy um, to, to try to uh, use a little empathy here and, and try to look at it from, you know, someone else's perspective um, because it's always interesting uh, from, for me anyway, to sometimes have, you know, see other people's point of view and, and, and this, this, this issue did that for me, Mm -hmm. you know, just brought to light, you know, things that we take for granted. No, but yeah, I hear, and here's the other thing that I think is easy to miss, but I think is critical because another one of those virtues is humility. And uh, Cap kneels here at the end. And we know Cap, right? Cap's mm-hmm. not the sort of guy. He didn't kneel to Thanos, right? He, I mean, he's not the sort of guy who's going to kneel and surrender when he thinks he's in the right. Uh, he will fight to the end. He will fight Good to the point. death, right? But he knelt here because he understood sort of uh, instinctually. He understood in his heart that Black Crow had a message um, that needed to be understood and appreciated, uh, and that Cap was called to empathize with with the indigenous peoples um, for what had happened in the name of America, and and so he fell to his knees in um, in humility mm-hmm. for that. And and I think that is that is so so Steve Rogers, man. That is so Captain America, so Steve right. Rogers, and. And I think that's easy to miss. But I think those of us who who love Steve Rogers, who love Captain America, understand this. Yeah. So let's get back to what I I teased a little bit about um, about Black Crow and what writer creator J M DeMatteis had in mind. So we were speaking with him, um, and you can listen to this in episode thirteen. I highly highly suggest you go check that out. Um, you know, he talks about, about, you know, what his plan was uh, at the end of uh, issue 300, which was his battle with the Red Skull, right? And he had seen himself that, um, you know, Cap comes to the realization that violence is not the answer, that he has made a career out of uh, you know, punching, punching the guy and the other guy in the face. Um, and even though every 
time that they, they may try to avoid doing that. Ultimately, it ends with them punching the bad guy in the face, right? Um, and so in issue 300, he said his original plan was that Steve becomes a, a global uh, peace activist. Um, and he says, you know, because problems get solved by having two people punching each other in the face, but except in this issue in 292, where, um, you know, he, as you pointed out, Steve succumbs to Black Crow. Um, he becomes a warrior who puts down his weapon. And then what eventually happens, it's like a year-long story that he, he talks about that, um, uh, and he goes through as far as what he had planned after 300, um, and that uh, ultimately Cap gets assassinated by someone close to him. I won't say who. Listen to episode 13. Um, and that Black Crow becomes the new Cap. Right. Like he originally mm-hmm. thought maybe Sam would be, you know, um, you know, this is way before anyone ever thought Sam would be Captain America. Dave Mateus was considering it, but he said, no, I'm, I'm, I, I would see Black Crow becoming the new Captain America. And then um, he ran it by his editor, Mark Grunwald, and Grew thought it was great and said, hey, let's do it. And they were actually going to move forward with this story. Um, but the editor in chief, Jim Shooter, said, mm, "No, Cap wouldn't act this way," and shot it down. Um, anyway, go listen to episode thirteen. Interesting story about how the Black Crow character evolved and what happened with that. And then um, our plan is to hopefully in the near future get uh, Jim Shooter's perspective mm-hmm. on on Demetrius's pitch on this story. So we'll uh we'll we'll get everybody's perspective on this. Yeah, I think missed opportunity, Rick. I think that would have been interesting to explore. Yep. Certainly, um because we all know Cap can get assassinated and come back. Come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh so that we all know that can happen. Yeah. Oh well. All right, Bob, that was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, as, as always, you know, I gotta say, I've enjoyed wrapping cap with you. Indeed. Let's do this again real soon. We shall, we shall. And, and maybe even celebrate a one year anniversary. Amazing. All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbanis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans. Podcast. Thank you.